Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Good morning, New Life. Hey, look, I just want to go ahead and let you guys know if you got kids in the house, uh, keep those things quiet. No, I'm kidding. Um, Actually, uh, I I was going to do the exact opposite. Uh, and, and let you know that you're in a safe place. Uh, my kiddos, uh, they're right there in the front row. And so your litmus test is if your kids are louder than mine, you're doing something wrong. All right. So, uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. We're, if you'll give me grace uh, for today, uh, then uh, there's just grace all around, grace to be had for sure. But uh, I absolutely love getting to come here and I love getting to speak on days such as New Year's Eve because tomorrow, You can start anything, and anything can be completely different for the entire year. Uh, And so there's like a pivotal thing in your mind that you can do today. You can choose to remain the same, or you can vow to do something differently. And so in in these circumstances, in these instances, on days like today, it's just something that happens in our life in which that it gives us a little more motivation uh, to do things differently. Uh, Just show of hands, how many people make resolutions? I mean, that's really all we're going to talk about it. But uh, uh, other, other than that, I, I have one resolution. Um, I, I'm going to bust out the P90X. And uh, I, I think for about the first 14 days of uh, 2024, uh, I'm going to work out like I was in my 20s getting geared up for spring break. Uh, but then after that, I'm going to go back to the diet of a happily married pastor and father of two. Uh, so let, let's just go ahead. I've, I've got a date that I'm going to end the resolution as well. Um, there was actually, I was scrolling through my, my pictures uh, for the year. I put together a family photo album for my kids for Christmas because, you know, digital era, we don't, we don't have the photo albums of printed off pictures that we get to look at. And my kids love looking at pictures. And so this was an idea I had, but I found a, an incredibly funny photograph uh, of something. Uh, so someone, I, 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 wish my, I wish my wife a, a, happy, a happy birthday. And, and I said, happy birthday, babe. And uh, this gentleman, he said, happy birthday, Ashley, y'all look so much thinner, which sounds great. Yeah, that was 2016. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, 2016. Well, don't I feel like a jerk now? Uh, that, that was probably the funniest thing that's ever happened uh, on my MySpace account. But it was, uh, it was an amazing, amazing time. But yeah, uh, Facegram, uh, I'm calling you. Calling my wife. Uh, one time when we were pastoring in Mayflower, I was super perturbed. There was like a phone going off in service, and I was like, "What in the heck is happening?" And uh, somehow I was FaceTiming somebody. I was like, "Oh, it's me. <laughs> my bad." So we'll uh, put it, put an end to that. But it's uh, it's great. The the year's over. Uh, there's another year in the books. Um, we're one day closer to his return. Uh, I think that that's something that we should definitely think about uh, as we're we're entering into this next year. Uh, we always hear about you know what's going on in the world today, and it's absolutely insanity. Uh, letting you guys know in advance that uh, since we do have kiddos in here, I'm going to try to go through this quickly, uh, but I'm not promising anything. So um, as I was reflecting this year, I think the best word that I could use to describe it would be confused, like. I don't know how to process necessarily everything that's happening in the world. Uh, I mean, congressional UFO hearings, (laughs) like we've got Chinese spy balloons. There's adult content being filmed inside a Senate hearing room. 
Like Hamas attacks and massacres Israel, but yet there's pro-Hamas rallies across the U.S. School board members are being sworn in on highly inappropriate books that aren't even fit for libraries. There's altars being built to Satan inside of Capitol buildings. What the heck is happening? Honestly, like, I think that it is one of the first times in history as a citizen of the United States that Christianity is truly being under attack. And I don't know if we're winning. Like when I look at, at like the trajectory, I really feel like it's reached this like tipping point in, in, in which that persecution is not going to get better. I think that it's only gonna get worse. And so here's the thing, and here's the warning to you guys as a church. Are you ready, right? Because I read the word and there's a lot of promises of God, but two of them, uh, one is eternal life and the other one's suffering, right? Like I see all the crazy that's happening. And if you don't know, 2024 is an election year. So it's about to get even crazier. I see that um, I read in scripture and uh, the thing that's frightening to me is uh, Mark chapter three, verse 24 and 25. It says, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, then a house cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself does that resonate with anybody? This is the word of God. Like it cannot stand the way that it currently is. So what does this mean? It means that we're getting to a point to where that there's not gonna be a middle ground. Like Pastor Rick, he preached the message. He said, there's no plan B. Like there's no middle ground for what it is that we're in the middle of. Like we, we, we have to pick a side and we have to go all in with that. Uh, I know that we need to make sure that we're praying, that we're praying for our nation. Uh, that we're praying for our leaders. But hear me on this. Only God will be able to fix the division of our country, right? But as a church, the responsibility is on us to remain unified. Like we don't have a massive control on whether or not the nation falls, but as a church, we can stand strong, right? Like we can stand incredibly strong and we can unite and we can fight this together. Uh, it's kind of funny story. My uh, kids, I love taking them places. Uh, it's not because I'm a great dad. It's just because I hate wrangling them at our house. Um, I, I, I love going places. We go, we go to the zoo. We got bought a season pass to that. We've got a trampoline park pass. Well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's some scallywags and some riffraff that frequent the trampoline park. And so my, uh, my daughters, they, uh, they're, they're, they're precious. And so I'm, I'm very protective of them. And we have a rule. It's like a family mantra. And the, the family mantra is stick together and listen to daddy. Like, that's it. Like, it's that simple. Like, and so anywhere we go, it's stick together and listen to daddy. And if you do that successfully, then we're gonna have a good time, right? And, and it keeps them safe. And it sounds like two rules, but it's really wrong. One, because you have to do both of them simultaneously in order for it to be effective. And so I think that if I had advice for the church this year, it would be to stick together and listen to God. Like the message title today would be stick together and listen to God. It's not gonna be stick together and listen to daddy because that's just super creepy. But we, uh, the message stick together 
and listen to God. We have to remain unified in order for us to get through the days to come. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, the apostle Paul, he writes, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. I want to talk about those two things, same mind and same purpose. The first thing in order to stick together by having the same mind is we're going to have to have humility. Like each and every one of us cannot be so proud in and of ourselves that we think that our way is the best. Like there has to be a little bit of humility within the body of Christ. In Philippians chapter two, verses one through four, Paul writes, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. Now, here's what he says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interest, but look at the interest of the people around you. Look at the interest of others. Think about that for a second. Whenever it comes time for us to have one mind, I know John the Baptist, he said, for in order for me, for him to increase, I must decrease. So it's less about each individual member's desires and wants and more about what builds up the body. How do we set down some of our own personal opinions in order to pick up the beliefs of the church and in order to help one another to, to gain that relationship and that knowledge of Christ and that peace that comes from being united. You see, if we want to stick together, it's going to be important that we remain humble because whenever you're humble, you're not just seeking after the thing that you want. You're not going to die on some mountain that doesn't even matter. You're not going to die on some opinion that, that really has no relevance in the kingdom of God or not. Instead, you're going to seek out ways that you can lift other people up and ways that you can help build others so that they can become sanctified, so that they can know Christ in the same fashion and the manner that you do. The second thing, if we're going to stick together, we must transform our minds. In order for us to be the church with Christ as the head and us as the body, we only have one mind. Hear me when I say that. Whenever Christ church, he is the head, we are the body, there is one mind. There's no one else making decisions. Hear me when I say that. There is no one else making decisions. It is him and him alone. So in order for us to get plugged into this neural network and be responsive to the things that God has for us, we must get tapped in to the mind of Christ. And in order to do that, we have to renew our minds. There's no possible way that we can all be unified in one body with one spirit, with one head who is Jesus, and not have our minds renewed. Look, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hear me on this. When it says conform 
to the patterns of the world. Does anybody see any patterns in the world today? Does anybody see anything that, that maybe showed up in the last 20 minutes of, of civilization that, that is now predominant across society? Does anybody see patterns of the world, things that are not biblical in nature, but yet somehow there's this massive amount of social pressure in order to get you to adhere to the things that are going on in the world, to get you to co-sign them, to get Christians to start throwing away their values, things that are putting pressures on kids inside of elementary schools in order to get them to be different than they possibly should be because it's a pattern of the world. This has nothing to do with the renewal of your mind. This has to do with patterns of the world that are applied by social pressure. I'm telling you right now, whenever it tells you to not conform to the patterns of this world, there is an amount of grit that has to come along with it. And you can't be afraid to not please people. You can't be afraid of getting canceled. Instead, what you have to do is you have to stand up for the beliefs and the values that you know that are grounded in the truth of God. Man, I get fired up because I just see so many people that get knocked off their horse. They get, they're, they're doing great as Christians, but then there's this, just this amount of social pressure that drives them in the opposite direction. Like Facebook, it makes me sad because like I read all these people and these comments of these things that people are liking and they're chiming in on and they're encouraging people to go the wrong direction. And they're former church members. There's people that have lost their way and it makes me sick in my stomach to watch it. And I cannot stand it. It's a righteous indignation. It is something that is out of love. And I'm here to tell you that if you are new to this church, like this message, it's not necessarily for you. This is for the church. If you are here today and you're on the fence and this sounds like hate speech, like it's not that at all. It's out of love a hundred percent. And you can continue to come here as long as you want. And I'm telling you, we will love on you, but we're never going to withhold the truth. Because if you were here today and you wanted the truth withheld, you wouldn't be here. You're here because you want to change. You're here because you recognize that there's something in your life that's missing. And as long as you continue to seek after the things the world has to offer, you're never going to find the peace in Christ that we all long for. And I'm telling you, to seek after anything else is counterfeit, and you're never going to find fulfillment in that. True transformation doesn't come from social pressure. True transformation comes from a renewal of the mind. It comes from renewing your mind through spiritual practices. It comes through prayer. It comes through reading the word of God. It comes through meditating and reflecting on the way that you can apply these principles to your life. It comes with fellowship from believers. And in order for your mind to be renewed, you must not only put these spiritual practices into place, but you also have to watch what you're putting in your body. Because nobody wants to have a cup of water that's being filled with the faucet and simultaneously somebody just sprinkling in a little bit of dirt. Why? Because the water's not clean. Like you're never gonna get the desired result. Like you're never going to be able to have a clean glass of water. And so what a lot of times what Christians do is, is they, want, they do pray. They do read the word. Like they do meditate and reflect. They do come to church but yet they still pollute their soul and spirit by garbage. Like it's garbage. It's a steady stream. Think about how much stuff that you encounter on a regular basis inadvertently online, like through death scrolling or whatever the heck it is on social media. Like we put all of this stuff in ourselves. And what actually turns out happening is that we become indoctrinated by something other than the word of God. 
Like it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen because of how much time we have spent in front of screens. I don't even know what the time is average. I bet mine's probably 14 hours a day, but my entire life is organized around setting behind a computer screen. But think about how much stuff we're allowing in our heart. I think about like when we went from being like an agrarian society until where that we like farmed and like dad and son worked in the field together and mom stayed at home with the kids and cooked and cleaned and like the family was always together. Like think about how hard before TV, before radio, think about how hard it would be to indoctrinate someone's child with an ideology that was opposite of yours in that situation. You can't. But now we're allowing it, flowing into our homes at a rapid pace. We're sending our kids to public schools. Like, don't even get me started on that. But we're sending our kids to these places in which they're becoming indoctrinated and we're wondering why that they're leaving the faith. Because we're not protective of what we're putting into our body. Look, hear me loud when I say this. Be careful and do not allow yourself to be indoctrinated by the media of the world. Don't do it. And that's either direction. Because if I can confess, I think in 2023, it's very possible that I allowed, it, allowed media to shape me more than the word. Like before I gave this message, like I, I really had to repent because I had hate in my heart. Like I was so frustrated and I'm sharing this with you because you might be there. Like you might be there and to wish that you no longer have this righteous indignation in your heart, but it's actually turned into hate. But I realized a lot about myself that I was struggling with multiple personality disorders. Some of you guys might've already known that or at least suspected it. <laughs> but there, 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 were, there were two battling forces within me. One was a pastor and one was a protector. It's amazing how strong the father in me is. Like, bro, don't even get me started. I, the other day, I took this little ADHD journey, and I, and I, and I was on my house hanging Christmas lights, and, and I started thinking about what I would do if someone uh, were to mess with one of my kids. And uh, I, it got crazy quick, Robert. Like, and I was like, holy cow. I was like, if anyone found out about this little three-minute fantasy about what I would do to someone, uh, it started with my resignation from Pastor Rick, and I told him, I was like, hey, look, man, you're not going to want to be a part of what's about to happen, you know? I, and, and so like, I, he, he tried to talk me out of it. He's a good pastor. Pastor, uh, and I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, and, and then I proceeded to go full-blown John Creasy, Denzel Washington from Man on Fire to this imaginary figure in my mind. And finally, I had to snap out of it. And I was like, holy cow, because I'm telling you, kids, I love you guys. And I apologize at what you have to deal with today in school. Like, I apologize the social pressures that you have in your life. I apologize for the things that you're being forced to learn and the things and the decisions that you're having to make on a regular basis. Uh, to prevent from being canceled. Just the world is not in the best place. But here's the thing. Here's how Jesus feels about you because I know in a heartbeat, I would end someone before that I even allowed them the opportunity to get near one of my kids. And Jesus kind of says this much of the same. In Matthew 18, 6, he says, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Get him, Jesus. Look, my God's not passive. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. My God is not passive. He came to wreck shot. My God is a warrior, and he's ready to fight in circumstances. And uh, look, and then he says, what sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. 
Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting, right? Look, I'm not saying that the father in me, the protector in me is completely Christ-like like Jesus, but he did say that, like, right? Um, and, but the protector in me, it cares about more than just the kids. It actually cares about the state of our country. Like the protector in me, there, there's like a political side. Like I think as Christians, we should care because before I had kids, I, I, I didn't really. Like I, I just kind of thought that it would all work itself out. But now that I have kids, man, like I want to leave something behind for them. Like I want to leave something that is better. Like I want policies that are in place that help protect religious freedoms and help, you know, influence biblical practices. Like there can be a difference between church and state. Like, you know, the church doesn't have to be ran by the state, but you can still have biblical principles put in place with legislation without it causing a conflict. But as Christians, I think we should care about our country. I think we should care about our state. I think we should care about local government because here's the deal. If you don't care, who does? Somebody that doesn't share your values, somebody that is willing to teach these kids out there anything they possibly can and indoctrinate the next generation in a way that would make you blush, I promise. But here, look, check this out. So listen to what God, he tells the Israelites whenever they're exiled. He says, this is what the Lord God of Israel says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So the Israelites are exiled. They're not even in their home country. Like they're in some other foreign land. Uh, it would be equivalent to us being dropped in the middle of Mexico, just for lack of a better term. But here's what God tells them. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens. It says, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have many sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. And here's what he says. He says, also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper too. God is literally saying that you better have an interest because the prosperity of the land you're living in has to do with your prosperity personally. Look, the part that I had to reconcile was that I did have a little bit of hatred coming on me. And, and there's a pastor side. The pastor side, it's got a call in my life that Dad Gemmett tells me I got to love everybody. He tells me that I got to feed my enemies. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want to, right? Like, I don't want to. Like, I'm in my flesh about this. And so that's why I had to repent. Because the moment I realized that this was out of balance, that's whenever I had to take action. You see, I no longer viewed people that I deemed as enemies or opposition as souls. That's a problem because whenever people are so far off base and they're not following Christ at all, they're not just enemies. They're actual people that are lost. Like scripture says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Like we're, we're wrestling against strongholds, spirits, principalities. Like there's something at work that's way greater than that individual. And so that's whatever it kind of threw me off because I genuinely care and love for people, but I have been so indoctrinated by a lot of the media that I was pumping into my body that I forgot that people are souls and that we have to love them. You see, Pastor Rick, he actually, uh, he, 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 he has this quote. He wrote a book a while back that is called Real Love in an Angry World, and I, I think that's applicable every season and will be applicable every season from now until Jesus comes back. Uh, but he says, we must have immovable convictions and shocking love. Like immovable convictions. We have to be grounded in truth. We have to be rooted in the word. We have to be unshakable. We have to be non-compromising in the things that we believe. But then we have to have a shocking love. 
Like we have to have a radical care and compassion for the people that are lost. We can't allow this to form hatred in our hearts. So what does this mean? Does it mean that we can no longer fight for what we believe? Get out of here. Of course not. It just means that our battles look differently. You see, we have to fight with love and we have to fight with grace. Because at the end of the day, one of my favorite stories, man, is I think about Peter in his defense of Jesus. Do y'all remember this? Like Jesus was in the garden and the Roman soldiers came up. And so Peter, he, uh, he, he was defending Jesus. What did he do? Pa-pow, chopped the ear off. Well, so the crazy thing is, is Jesus in, in a previous scripture, he actually says, those who have ears to hear, let them. What happens if we chop the ears off of the people? See, the tactic was never a sword. In Peter's defense of Jesus, he chopped the ears off of someone. Who do you think had more influence in that man's life for an eternal perspective? Jesus, the one who chopped off his ear, or Peter, the one who chopped off his ear, or Jesus, the one that put it back on? See, Jesus is someone who knows how to influence we have to influence people with grace, but we can never withhold the truth. You see, we've been Christians, we've been called to, called to love. We've not been called to tolerate. Like you're gonna find one scripture that tells us to tolerate, but it's not even talking about tolerating sin. Hear me when I say that. In Ephesians, it actually says it, if you want me to help your journey. But it's not talking about the toleration of sin. It's talking about toleration of opinions. You see, we have got to understand that toleration is an enemy to the church. See, as Christians, we've been called to love. But Christians, we can't be tolerant of all things. Why? Because God's not. God doesn't permit everything And so as Christians, we can't either. See, tolerance ignores, but grace, it strengthens. We're not called to tolerate. We're called to have grace. There's gonna be some people that struggle in areas that are different than us, and for that, we have to have grace. But we can't withhold the truth completely and just allow them to go on continuing to sin. We are the church. We must confront sin, but we have to be compassionate and patient. See, for some of you fighters, I I, I laid out some uh, what I call rules of engagement. Looking at you, PJ. Uh, so we have, to, we have to know how to engage in the battle whenever we're going to fight. First off, if we're ever going to remain unified, we can't be afraid of tough conversations. Like we have to be able to walk in and have tough conversations with people. See, I've actually canceled church members before in my mind uh, for things that they liked on social media without even actually talking to them about it. What, what would that have looked like instead of judging them if I would have actually approached them and asked them, hey, is this really like the direction your heart's headed? We can't be afraid of having tough conversations with individuals. Second, you have to arm yourself with knowledge. Like we have to know what it is we believe and why that we believe it. If, if it's a believer that you're having a conversation with, then you've got to know the doctrine. If it's a non-believer, then you need to know the social ramifications. Like if you plan on entering into this octagon, you have to train yourself with knowledge in order to fight this battle. Third, you gotta be willing to engage civilly. Like you have to be able to have a civil conversation with people without letting it get emotionally charged. If the true goal is to change hearts and minds, it's not gonna be done with the sword. And lastly, you have to discern when and how to engage and disengage. I'm telling you, social media, for me, isn't the space for it. 
Maybe it is you. Like if that's your ministry, if people are coming to Christ left and right because of your political posts, then by all means, continue doing it. Uh, or if you just feel like that you're called to raise awareness to certain issues, keep doing it. Like I'm not going to prevent you from, from being you. Like that, that that's not the case. But just understand the battle. And, and if you're trying to be effective, understand how to win. But even Jesus, he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. <laughs> Like, like Jesus tells you to go after people that want to hear what you're talking about. Like go after people that are receptive. People always ask at M18, like, what's your qualifications? I'm like, man, they got to be willing to change. Like that's it. And, and if you're not, then we can't work with you. And we won't. And, and that's okay. The, you, you can go do whatever you want somewhere else. But if you're going to be talking to someone, don't get blue in the face and don't continue to cast your pearls before swine or you're just going to get frustrated. Third, if we want to stick together, Man, we gotta know how to disagree, right? Like we have to know how to have differences in opinion. And, and here's what I'm talking about, differences in opinion. Some of you guys might not like what I'm about to say. There is nothing in the Bible that has to do with gun control. Like if one person is for gun control and one person thinks you need to arm everyone in order to control the crime, like that, that's, that's opinions, like that's different. Like if one person believes in climate change and the other one doesn't, those are opinions. Like we have to learn how to disagree. But whenever it comes to things that have a biblical backing, like killing of unborn children, goodness, can we not agree on that? Like, you know how that you don't have the ability to kill children is because you don't have the ability to assign value to life. You know who does? God. And you know what he paid for that life? His son. Anywhere you look in the Bible where it talks about human and baby sacrifices, it's all pagan. Ever bit of that. So as a church, we have to learn to differentiate between political items that are charged due to opinions versus things that are actually rooted in the Bible. And there's literally a biblical roadmap for conflict resolution in Matthew 18, if any of you guys want to know about it. It starts with approaching the person that you have a problem with. But as Christians, we got to live with a worldview and an ideology that's grounded in the Bible. Do you not know that you're citizens of heaven? And lastly, number four, if we want to stick together, we must be walking in purpose. We have to be linked arm in arm. I, I think about this. You can put two of the most people that hate each other. Oh my gosh, they can't stand each other. They don't like their mamas. Like they don't like anything about it. Uh, their cousins, they, they don't like anybody in their family. Uh, but you put them out on a team together and put a basketball in their hands, they're about to tear you up. Like they don't let little disturbances and little discrepancies in life because they are now united as a team and they have a common goal, right? And so if we can remember as a church that we have a common goal, then I think that will help us put away some of our petty disagreements. Man, there are so many people that sit around and they just judge. Like they're just armchair quarterbacks. Like they just want to sit there from the sidelines and, and they just want to judge. They want to start mess. They want to talk about everything that's going on, how they would have did stuff different. And they just sow this dissension throughout the crowd that completely disunifies. But at the end of the day, if they were to ever get in the game, how much different would things be? So I, I close with this scripture and it's 2 Timothy 2 verses 3 and 4. And it tells us to endure suffering 
along with me, Paul says, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who has enlisted them. If you're caught up in the affairs of civilian life, I just wanna ask you this morning, are you enlisted? Have you made a decision for Christ? Like, are you legitimately safe today? That like today you're like, yes, I, I, I've made a decision. I already know I'm completely saved. My spirit testifies with his spirit. I, I'm in unison. I'm in, I'm in the body of Christ. Like if that's you, great. Like I, I am super proud. We need you on the team. But some of you have never enlisted. Like you've never said, Lord, I'm pouring my life out like a drink offering. Anything you have for me, I'm willing to do. Because here's the thing, saying Lord and then denying him, that's not Lord. This year in 2024, I want each and every one of you to be able to raise your hand and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Whatever it is that you need for me this year, God, I'm all in, I'm yours. I wanna live a life in which that it's pleasing in your sight and I wanna be useful for every good work that you have for me. Why? Because I am no longer concerned with the affairs of civilian life, but I am enlisted in your army. And I want you to have that confidence and I want you to have that purpose and I want you to have that call on your life because coming from someone who has it, man, there's nothing better. I've been so strung out. I've been so drunk. I've been high as a kite on anything you could possibly think of. And there is nothing in this world that feels better than knowing that I'm serving the living God, man. Like it is amazing. And you too, can have that today. So what, what I want you to do is I want you to bow your heads and just close your eyes and just respect this moment. And so I, I wanna know who I'm praying for. And so if, if anybody here today uh, wants to enlist and what it is that God has for them. Uh, you, you could be praying a prayer of salvation for the very first time, or at least a prayer of commitment to God. Uh, and, and if you're making that decision for Christ today, or if you just wanna renew it in 2024, and you just wanna start fresh, you, you're glad 2023 is over and you're looking forward to what God has in the future, uh, that can be anybody. Please just just show show your hands and just a show of faith of who know who I'm praying for. Man, I see people all over the place. I, uh, I just, I just want to pray this prayer over everyone here. So Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that you just fill us full of your spirit, Lord. We, we just ask that you'll just draw us closer to you, Lord. If today something is in somebody's heart and they're just reaching out, trying to figure out how to follow you greater, God, honor that, Lord. And just put people around them that can help them out in this time, God. I, I just pray that you will just give us all purpose. Give us all something to do. Put people in our lives that we can disciple. Put situations in our lives in which that we can glorify your name, God. We know that when we acknowledge you in front of men, that you'll acknowledge us in front of your Father, God. And so we ask for these situations to present themselves and we ask for the boldness that only comes through your Holy Spirit to overtake us, God, and let your words come out of our mouth, not, not the ones that we would have, God. And we just ask for you to continue to utilize us, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you just put so many people in our lives that we can touch and that we can disciple, Lord. And, and that this church, God, that you will just give us your mind, Lord, and you will give us direction, Lord, and you will show us how that you want us to live, God. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.